Welcome back to the Big Tail to Player Profiler Roto Underworld DFS Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at Randall Rand, and we have you ready for week 11. A lot of big games, a lot of big matchups, a lot of key injuries, and we're here to tell you all about it so you can win the big money in your DFS week 11 lineups. And joining me, as always, is the esteemed, the all-knowing Josh Larkey, the director of analytics here at Player Profiler. Josh has set the lineups. He's tinkered. He's moved guys around, and he's ready here to tell you exactly how to cash in week 11. Follow him on Twitter at jlarkeytweets. Dr. Larkey, welcome back. We are. We're over halfway through now. And let me just say that for all of you playerprofiler.com subscribers out there to our DFS Dominator package, we've got some upgrades. Check out the lineup genius now. You're able to double stack. Before, you could only include one player in your lineups, and we did the rest. Not anymore. We are giving you more control. That way you can isolate those double stacks that you really want to have. We also are now showing you more information on both the the main menu and after you've created the lineups. You can still favorite as many lineups as you want, flip back and forth between quarterbacks. All your lineups are saved. Import them to DraftKings or FanDuel. You have to check it out. It's gotten better and better. And like we said, each week we're going to try and bring some new features, and this is one that we've been very excited about that's been kind of hidden, and you're welcome. You can now see it. No extra charge to all of our subscribers, so just want to get that out there that it's a very good day for the Player Profiler DFS community. And if it's a good day for Player Profiler, it's a great day for Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy, our partner here at Player Profiler DFS Big Tail Podcast, We love Underdog. It is the best, the absolute best platform to do your lineups, to do your drafting, to do your props that Josh does each and every day. You can check him out on Twitter. Underdog Fantasy, type in the promo code UNDERWORLD to get up to a $100 match bonus. That's the promo code UNDERWORLD on Underdog Fantasy, our favorite partner here, the only place to do fantasy football. You know what? Before we get started, let me just, I think I did this last week. I'm going to throw, let's throw a bone to the audience with... The underdog player props. Now, I've I've scouted some. I'll be uploading a lot of good lines, uh, probably 8 to 10 lines to the underdog pick'em generator, either late Friday night or early Saturday morning. One in particular, though, caught my eye. Because you would never even think to bet the under on this player until you realize the situation. And that's with Jonathan Taylor. Mike, Jonathan Taylor's line right now on underdog is 115.5 total yards. And you might say like, oh, Josh, you donkey. He's hit that in his last uh, three plus games. What do you, it's automatic. Well, his, uh, his last three games were the Titans, Jets, and Jaguars. He is now facing the Buffalo Bills. By far, the stingiest defense for running back, fantasy points, rush yards, etc. I think pretty much the only way Taylor gets there is if he Blake breaks a long run against a team that hasn't really allowed a long run yet this year. I don't think it's going to happen. 115.5, he needs over a full football field. Just go ahead and take that under. Sorry. I mean, I, I love Jonathan Taylor. I'll play some, I'll play play a little little bit of Taylor and DFS, but it's the Buffalo Bills. 
This is just truly worst case scenario for him. And that type of line, I'm just going to take the under. I think you have to take the under there on Jonathan Taylor. Completely agree. You're going against a Bills defense that has shut every single running back they face, except for one, and that's the great Derrick Henry. They have faced Najee Harris, 45 yards, Miles Gaskin, 25 yards, Gibson, 31, Mark Ingram, 24, Darrell Williams, 27, then Henry, then the bye, Gaskin, 36, Carlos Hyde, if you will, 21 carries, 67 yards, and Michael Carter, 39 yards. You have to go under on Jonathan Taylor there against that Bills defense. First game we're going to talk about, we're not going to bury the lead here. Kansas City, minus two and a half against Dallas. The over-under, the high over-under, highest one in week 11, 56 points. Now, big news that broke today, Amari Cooper out with COVID. He tested positive. He's not vaccinated. Therefore, he's out for this game, and he is out for the Raider game on Thanksgiving. Kansas City, 3-7 against the spread this year. 0-5 against the spread at home. You would think that has to have some positive regression. Dallas, 8-1 against the spread. 4-0 against the spread on the road. Also looking for regression except negative. Dallas defense has been strong this year. Sort of a bend but don't break. But no Demarcus Lawrence. No Randy Gregory is going to be huge. Dallas secondary is not great against wide receivers. Trevon Diggs leads the NFL in touchdowns. But he did get burned deep there in the New England game by Kendrick Bourne. So the Cowboys actually 20th in schedule adjusted fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. So you should not be afraid of Kansas City here. Where are we going to go, Josh? A lot of players on Dallas. Michael Gallup maybe now with Amari Cooper out. Zeke, of course. Dak, Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, Darrell Williams. Where are we going for value here? Kansas City, Dallas, the headline of week 11. Yeah, so I'm going to add to that. So I, I did a little more research. He is unvaccinated and tested positive, which means that he has a 10-day minimum period. Hence why he's already been ruled out for Thanksgiving as well. You have Amari Cooper. Uh, that's it's tough luck. Right as you're trying to make your playoff push, you don't have him for two games this uh, this year at least. We'll see how he recovers from that. But what it does mean is that CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup are most likely going to be force-fed targets. Especially when it's a just putrid Kansas City secondary. And I think with this game, we always talk, how do you get different when it's a very popular game? It's going to be with double stacks, a lot of double runbacks. If there was ever a game to onslaught, it's probably this one. And I really like the idea of going uh, Dak Prescott with C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup, and then running it back with Daryl Williams and Tyreek Hill or Daryl Williams and Kelsey. And that that's how you can stay different is to really mega stack this game and say, you know what? I've seen that 56 point over under. I think there's going to be 70 points in this game or 80 points in this game. And that it's going to blow every other game off the slate. And for all you out there that go, oh, I understand it can be, it can be scary to throw in a ton of players from the same game because you're worried about the negative correlation. And oh, what if he takes a touchdown from him or he takes a touchdown from this guy? Just look at what Kansas City did this past week against the Raiders. Tyreek Hill got there. Travis Kelsey got there. Daryl Williams got there. We had three guys with a, that are getting you 25-plus fantasy points receiving. Oh, and then we also had Byron Pringle. He even snuck in nearly 15 fantasy points. They come in droves. When, when Patrick Mahomes has 400 pass yards and five passing touchdowns, on Sunday Night Football against the Raiders, that's what happens is four guys get there. 
We could easily see something like that in this game as well on both ends where Patrick Mahomes continues his hot streak, Dak continues his hot streak. And then one other note with Dak, I think you can stack him with Ezekiel Elliott. Elliott's role in the pass game has just been so good recently. And I think that that's an interesting way to double stack it on the on the Dak side. So I really don't think too much is off the table. The one guy that I would say is probably a stay away, if there was any quote-unquote starting player, it would be Mecole Hardman. I actually uh, talked about him recently on TikTok, at TikToks. Really, really pushing my sub hundred follower TikTok. I talked about talked about Mikkel Hardman because fun fact on Monday or Sunday Night Football, Mikkel Hardman ran fewer routes than Hill, Kelsey, Darrell Williams, Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle, and Josh Gordon. Mikkel Hardman, I don't know what's going on with him, but it's very concerning. He already wasn't particularly productive, and then to see him in just a marquee matchup Sunday Night Football playing just fewer snaps, running fewer routes than like six other guys. Very concerning. So I know that we've we've had some some pro Mikkel Hardman DFS takes earlier in the year. I think those have run out. It's it's time to just avoid Mikkel Hardman in this one. But I'd say pretty much everyone else is fair game. I think the the punt play here is probably Byron Pringle in terms of a guy that's actually going to be on the field a lot. And I think he's a nice pivot if you want the the low price option in this game. And you want to avoid the super ultra mega chalk of Michael Gallup. I just don't see how you can possibly win a big tournament and win major money if you don't have significant representation from Dallas and the Chiefs. Next game, one that I have circled all year long, Green Bay traveling to Minnesota. Green Bay favored by one and a half at the Vikings. Over-under is 47 and a half points. This is a massive game for the Vikings. They are two and a half games behind Green Bay. In the NFC North, maybe they don't have a shot at the division, but they probably think so. And they are welcoming in a Green Bay team that honestly is a little banged up. No Aaron Jones, no Bob Tunyon, of course. Aaron Rodgers with the toe injury didn't practice, but Coach LaFleur said he's going to play. Adams was full practice. Adam Thielen full practice. Alan Lazard is out. And again, no Aaron Jones in the backfield. So people are wondering exactly who you're going to get. Could A.J. Dillon projects for what I think is a huge opportunity share. Patrick Taylor, of course, can get worked in. I don't know how you feel about him. Maybe MBS, Josh. I got to hear about that one. Kirk Cousins, Jefferson Thielen, and of course, Dalvin Cook, folks. Dalvin Cook in five career games against the Packers. Three targets, two and a half receptions, 87 rushing yards, over a touchdown and a half a game, and 25.4 PPR fantasy points per game. Vikings are 5-3-1 in their last night against Green Bay. They beat Green Bay in Green Bay last year, 28-22, even when Rodgers and Adams connected for not one, not two, but three touchdowns. Packers D has been playing much better of late, but they still are missing Zadarius Smith. Jair Alexander, Merciless is out as well. So what do you think here, Josh? Vikings getting healthy on defense. Their pass defense is better. Could have Harrison Smith back, Patrick Peterson. Where are we going for value here with a hot Vikings team against the Packers team that is, has a significant lead, but they have some injuries, don't they? So I don't, I'm not going to rain on the parade too much, but I'm just, I always get afraid of Aaron Rodgers and DFS because he's always expensive. He's not mobile. He's 7,000 DraftKings, 7,700 FanDuel. But I do like this game. And I think that there's some ways to play this where I can hold my nose and not have to play the Rodgers big stacks, yet can still get game exposure. 
You already mentioned A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon just looks like a full-on bell cow, and he's mispriced. If anything, he should be more expensive than whatever Aaron Jones is each week. Because Aaron Jones is priced knowing that 40 to 50% of the the carries are going to be going to A.J. Dillon. Well, I don't really expect Patrick Taylor to have as large of a role as Dillon has when Jones is healthy. Just because there's a bigger drop from Dillon to Patrick Taylor, most likely, than Jones to Dillon. So... I really like A.J. Dillon. I know he's super chalky, but it's just really hard to get off a guy that's going to have 20 carries. He's probably going to have two to five targets. He's going to be heavily utilized in the red zone. The other Packers guy that I really like is Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Alan Lazard was actually just ruled out of this game today. I was shocked when I read that. Apparently, the shoulder injury is it's serious or serious enough for him not to play. And I think this makes MVS interesting because we saw him have multiple 20 fantasy point performances last year. He hasn't quite had that massive game yet this year, but he's going to be on the field a whole lot. I don't think Randall Cobb is going to hold him off forever. Cobb just does not look like his old self. I know that he's ran more routes than MVS since he returned from injury, but we know the Packers, if there's ever a team to slow play the injuries, it's them. It's partly why A.J. Dillon just looks like such a such a smash for the next three, four, five weeks is because we know that Aaron Jones, they're going to be careful with him. So I really like A.J. Dillon. I think MVS is interesting. Every week is Devontae Adams week. He's just being force-fed 11-plus targets a game this year. And then, yeah, I think Thielen and Jefferson are strong plays each week. Conklin's a nice and expensive tight end. But I think... My absolute favorite play in this game, it's not actually A.J. Dillon. It's another running back who's projected to be played in about half as many lineups as Dillon, yet has more upside than, I think, any other running back on the slate. And that's Dalvin Cook. And Dalvin Cook, if you want elite usage, let me tell you about what Dalvin Cook's done the past two weeks. He's fully healthy now. He's had over 75% of the snaps in weeks 9 and 10. Week 9, 17 carries. Seven of them came in the red zone. 14 routes run, 3 targets, 122 total yards, but only 15 fantasy points. He didn't score. Then in week 10, 24 carries with, and this is not a mistake, 11 of his 24 carries in the red zone area in week 10. 26 routes run, 5 targets, 118 total yards, He got the touchdown, but still only 20.8 fantasy points. So people are probably looking at his price tag and they go, oh man, why would I play Dalvin Cook in the 8K range when I can play A.J. Dillon in the 6K range? It's because Dalvin Cook has that 40 fantasy point upside, which I don't quite know if I see that type of ceiling for Dillon. If there's a running back that can just break the slate, we saw Dalvin Cook do that three or four times last year. He hasn't done it this year, but I still believe the big game can happen. So I'm going to be playing a lot of Dalvin Cook. It's not a great run defense. Things are shaping up. The the three touchdown explosion will come. I agree. It's a slam for Dalvin Cook. He is going to get force-fed this ball. They need this win in the worst way. He destroyed the Packers last year. You're getting a heavy dose of Dalvin Cook, and I love the stat you pointed out the last few weeks. They have gone back to him over and over again. 
Arizona at Seattle. Seattle getting two, one and a half, depends where you see it. Over-under is 48 points. Again, we have recency bias here. Seattle looked terrible. Russell Wilson, the finger injury, two turnovers in the red zone last week at Green Bay, but now they return home against Arizona. A lot of question marks with Arizona. No Chase Edmonds, he's out. No DeAndre Hopkins, he's out. Kyler Murray may or may not play, we're not sure. Backup Colt McCoy, also possibly injured. So if no Murray, it may not be McCoy. Russell Wilson, healthy, ready to go. Chris Carson out for the year, so it's going to be Alex Collins. Gerald Everett, who is not, did not practicing for most of the week, looks like he is ready to go. You can pull every stat you want off this one, Josh, in a betting perspective. Pete Carroll off a loss, 67%. Pete Carroll as an underdog at home, 67%. Seahawks have actually battled. Their defense has been playing better. They've had a brutal schedule. Lost to the Ram game at home when Wilson got hurt. Lost at the Steelers by three points with Geno. Lost to the Saints by three at home with Geno. We still don't know about Kyler. Seattle is still in the playoff race here, Josh. Panthers are 5-5. Five and five. Seattle's only 3-6 and six right behind, behind them. Division games are always close. We have a good over-under number here. What say you? So with this game, just there's the unknown with Kyler. There's even sort of that unknown with Colt McCoy. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a big Colt McCoy and DFS guy. And as we've talked about on previous episodes, we're not really big injured Kyler Murray and DFS guys. When when Kyler Murray is hobbled, the fantasy points come way down. It lowers his floor, it lowers his ceiling. But I really like some bounce back Seattle stacks. And I think that there are viable run back options. On this Cardinals team. I really like James Conner. I think James Conner has kind of just burned people. Sort of from what they were expecting. And right now he's projecting to be decently chalky. I don't really buy that. I think it's going to come down. I feel like Daryl Williams, David Montgomery, uh, Miles Gaskin. I think there's a few other running backs here. Even Dalvin Cook. Nick Chubb, now that he's guaranteed to be playing. There's running backs that I do expect to come over James Conner in ownership when all is said and done. So I think James Conner is going to end up being an interesting runback option. I also really like Christian Kirk. He's been kind of boomer bust, but the targets have been there almost every game. It's kind of what we want for DFS is being able to project that no matter what, he's going to get looks. And whether he takes advantage of them, that's just kind of, it's up in the air. And that's sort of the volatility that we chase in DFS. With Russ, I think you choose Lockett or Metcalf. Maybe you sneak in Everett if he plays. And you kind of call that a day and just throw in a run back. It is so hyper consolidated in Seattle. Last week, I know it was a disgusting loss. They didn't, no points against the Packers, but Lockett and Metcalf both had eight targets. Even Gerald Everett had eight targets and eight catches. Kind of a a shocking breakout game for him as a Seahawk after a lot of lower target and reception totals. But I really like Lockett and Metcalf. They are just so volatile. We know that Russ can change the entire DFS slate with a couple big throws. And I I do expect, no matter who the quarterback is in Arizona, I don't expect Seattle at any point to run out to a big lead. And I think this Chris Carson news where he's out for the rest of the season, maybe this is the spark that finally gets Seattle to start passing the ball more. Less running back depth. They can't expect Carson back anymore. And when you have Alex Collins and Rashad Penny as your main running backs, yet you have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett as your main receivers, eventually, Mike, rational coaching has to take over at some point. I'm going to be playing some Seattle stacks, running it back with 
primarily Connor and Christian Kirk. No, no one's going to be able to stop me. You can't worry about recency bias. You can't. You have to throw out the fact that last week, Russell Wilson, with the finger, went in the cold against Green Bay. Two interceptions in the red zone. Can't worry about it. He is a Hall of Fame quarterback that was his first game back. He's now at home against Arizona in a game they have to win in a full week of practice. I'm betting on Russell Wilson, and I think you have to, if you're making a decision, it can't be based on last week. This next game is crazy. I have a feeling, Josh, and tell me if I'm nuts, that there is value in this Cleveland-Detroit game. Cleveland favored by 11.5 points over Detroit, only a 43.5 over-under. Baker Mayfield banged up. Nick Chubb is back, though. Dearness Johnson had a big game last week. I don't know who they're throwing to. I just think the Browns are going to hang a number. I think this is a blowout game for the Browns, which means that there is going to be DFS value. I just don't know where to go. Jarvis Landry is injured. Donovan Peoples-Jones tweaked a groin this week. Anthony Schwartz, concussion. So just a lot of questions. I like David and Joku, maybe Austin Hooper. And on the Lions side, of course, we're going DeAndre Swift. The question is, I want to know how you feel about him if it's not Jared Goff under center because he's questionable as well. So talk to me here about Cleveland, Detroit. Am I nuts? Low scoring game. No one's going to have ownership here, but I think there's some DFS value. So with this game, I kind of like the double expensive running back. It feels like one of those games where we know Baker is super hobbled. What I read was Goff is doubtful and that Tim Boyle has been being prepped as the starter all week. It's just two very concerning quarterback situations. We know that the Detroit Lions defense can't stop anybody. It was already a bad defense to start the year. They've they lost their two starting cornerbacks. There there's really just nothing but scraps on this Detroit defense and I think Nick Chubb is going to have a field day. I I see him getting over 20 carries in this one. They're going to want to take some pressure off of Baker or whoever the starting quarterback is. So I really like Chubb in this one. And then I really like Swift on the other end where we have Tim Boyle, who's he's not the most mobile quarterback in his own right. He's not a very good quarterback. What's he probably going to want to do with the ferocious pressure from the Browns front seven? Check it down. And I think that sneaking in both Chubb and Swift into a few lineups where you have a less expensive quarterback. So uh, maybe maybe you're going with Justin Fields this week, Cam Newton. And you're looking for some expensive running backs to help fill out your roster. I think the Chubb-Swift duo is actually very interesting in this one. Neither is going to be particularly popular. So I think that's probably how I'm going to attack this game. I don't think my love fest is quite as large as yours, but I'm going to play Swift every single week. And just a fun stat for the audience. There's only... Two running backs who have had 30 or more carries in a game this year. Obviously, Derrick Henry. And then DeAndre Swift. And there's only 11 running backs that have had 10 plus targets in a game. DeAndre Swift's the only one to do it twice. And DeAndre Swift is also the only guy on that list who also had the 30 carries. No other running back has had such extreme usage on both sides with the 30 or more carries and the 10 or more targets. DeAndre Swift is a full-on bell cow, yet he's still not being priced like one. 7,000 DraftKings, 7,500 FanDuel. When a guy's going to be getting potentially 25 to 35 opportunities, he, by the way, he had 39 opportunities last week in that, in that overtime tie. When a guy's potentially getting that much usage, we know he's explosive. 
a heavy portion of that's in the pass game. Very hard for me to fade him no matter who the quarterback is. And then with Chubb, it's possibly the best pure runner against arguably the worst defense in the NFL. So I think that's the angle I'm going to attack this one the most. I also think Landry is interesting just as a guy that could potentially just soak up a ton of volume. Schwartz is already out with concussion. Donovan Peoples-Jones, questionable, maybe doubtful. If neither can go and Landry's still hobbled, I think Rashard Higgins sneaks in as an interesting punt play receiver where we saw him be very productive when called upon last year. But overall, I just like the running backs a lot in this game. You know, and I like Josh Dearness Johnson. My issue is on FanDuel, he is priced way up, way too high for me on FanDuel, priced as if he's going to be the main guy at 8000 But on DraftKings, he's only 5.6. This is a guy who showed proficiency in the receiving game last week. If this game does follow the script that I think it's going to, where Cleveland is going to get up by a large amount, he would see more work than Nick Chubb, who just came off uh, the injury list. So I think Dearness Johnson on DraftKings is a pretty live play. Thoughts? Yeah, I like this. So one thing with Nick Chubb is he's had one or two games this year without Kareem Hunt. And there, I know there's the, a group of people out there that are convinced Chubb's a good receiver. He might be, but I don't see him ever getting that opportunity this season. He's had a maximum of two targets in a game this year. That happened twice. He's had four games with one target and another games with another game with no targets. Nick Chubb doesn't get the targets. And you might say 5600 for a backup running back. How could I ever pay that price? Well, pretty sure people have been taking down tournaments with mid-6K Kareem Hunt when Chubb was active. So we know that the way this offense is structured, it can support two running backs. I would kind of think of it as playing 5600 Kareem Hunt against the Lions, which... Sounds like a total smash to me. Next up, let's head out to a game that has really caught the Sharps' eye. A lot of Sharps in the betting world are on this Cincinnati at Vegas game, Josh. They love the Raiders in a bounce-back spot here. Cincinnati favored by one and a half, over-under 50 and a half, so a very high over-under. So many different stats. I just don't know if they're relevant. I think this is a sneaky stacking game. Bengals are really generous to opposing fantasy positions. Schedule adjusted fantasy points. So, folks, that's fantasy points per game, but adjusted for the competition. The Bengals rank 28th against opposing quarterbacks, 27th against opposing running backs, 26th against opposing wide receivers. So they're allowing fantasy production at every single position except for tight end. Raiders aren't great either, but it's interesting. They do hold opposing wide receivers down. Schedule adjusted fantasy points. They rank eighth best in the league. However, I think, Josh, they're going against a great trio of wide receivers here in Cincinnati. So Bengals, Raiders on the road in Las Vegas. Where are we going here? Pretty good health across the board. Bengals coming off a bye. Where do we go? So this is another one where it's going to be really popular. So I I wasn't quite sure when I did first mover on Monday, that podcast, I said it's it's going to be a little bit difficult to know this early how popular this game is going to be. And like you said, the Sharps are all over this one. And both Burrow and Carr are going to be quite popular. They're most likely top five, top seven quarterbacks on this slate. So how do we get different? We just stack them up. And you can do that with the new lineup genius. You want to start double stacking? Here's an amazing game to double stack. And you'll still have a lot of salary left over for some expensive running backs. With Carr, I think you double stack him. Pretty hard to see Carr getting there in DFS, having three touchdowns and 300 pass yards. 
with only one receiver having a good game. And then the same with Joe Burrow. Pretty difficult to see him having the 300 plus pass yard, three touchdown game with only one guy getting all of it. So I like double stacks with Burrow. I think Mixon's even in play. He's had five targets in three of his last four games. With Carr, I think even Josh Jacobs is in play as a stack option. Josh Jacobs, sneaky target share. I don't know what's going on, but since he came back from injury, Josh Jacobs has been a pass game weapon. He had a 15% target share this past week, which is all very promising for his rest of season prospects. It's very promising for his DFS ceiling. And there is one player, though, that I think we should probably be avoiding for the most part in this game. And you might say, oh, I'm going to play I'm going to play some Tyler Boyd in this one. He's only 4,800 on DraftKings, 5,600 on FanDuel. But let me caution you that Tyler Boyd has been an afterthought when both Chase and Higgins play. And I even have the numbers up. These three have overlapped in seven games this year. Chase has had 59 targets with a 12.4 average depth of target. 59 and 12. Higgins, 57 targets, 11.5 ADOT. Very healthy. And then we get to Boyd. He isn't high 50s targets like Chase and Higgins. Boyd has had 38 targets in those seven games. It's basically five targets a game. And the ADOT is under six and a half. So with Boyd, you're buying in that this guy who's getting about five targets a game when they're all healthy at an ADOT of six is somehow going to have the massive game. And that generally when we've seen Boyd have the big games in his career, it's on volume. And he just hasn't been able to command that volume when Chase and Higgins are both healthy. In those seven games, Chase has had 133 PPR points. Higgins, 91 PPR points. And then Boyd is only at 58. He's averaging under nine fantasy points a game when they all overlap. And that's just really tough sledding for DFS, where even when a guy's only 4,800 on DraftKings, you still really need him to have 20-plus fantasy points to get there in a tournament. So I think he's the one guy, if you're going to be playing this popular game and you need to just X somebody out, I think he's kind of the guy that we can remove from the equation. And then with Higgins, I know T. Higgins is going to be popular this week, but the explosion will happen at some point. He's averaging over eight targets a game this year. And even with over eight targets a game from a very competent Joe Burrow on a fairly high-scoring offense, Higgins is yet to hit 20 fantasy points in any game this year. I think if if there was a week that it happens, this is a very good week. It's why he's popular. 5,400 DraftKings, 6,500 FanDuel. You can get eight-plus target a game T. Higgins against a beatable Vegas secondary And I don't need to tell you about Jamar Chase. We all know that every week you should play some Jamar Chase. So I like those guys. And then I really like Darren Waller, bounce back spot. He's been disappointing. There's just not that many good options in this pass game for Carr to target. We do know that Waller is still his favorite target. And Waller, his price is down 6,100 DraftKings, 6,700 FanDuel. If there's a tight end, That's going to be the overall tight end one on this slate. That's not Kelsey. Very, very strong chance it's Darren Waller. I haven't seen Waller that low in the longest time. And he has that upside explosion right in the mid-tier that we're looking for. This next game is awful. 
but it's certainly worth talking about. Tennessee at home, favored by 10 over Houston. If there was ever a spot for Tennessee to be flat, Josh, and Houston to actually put up some big-time fantasy production, I think it's here. Tennessee, of course, coming off that gauntlet of beat the Bills, beat the Chiefs, won in overtime in Indianapolis, won at the Rams, beat the Saints last week by two. Patriots on the docket on the road next week. I think this is a flat spot. Henry is out. Tannehill had been banged up a little bit. So Tennessee really limping to a bye week, Josh, that is still a ways away. On the other side, Houston, Tyrod Taylor was terrible against the Dolphins. Really uncharacteristic throwing those interceptions, but he still has Brandon Cooks, who's been performing well all year. Where are we going here? Texans getting 10 at Tennessee. So this is one of my two games that I'm going to be playing some QBs and stacking out of these quote-unquote bad games. We'll get to the other one shortly, but it is this Houston-Tennessee game because especially on DraftKings when Tyrod's only 5,000, that's just obvious right there that you can make some pretty fun lineups with 5K Tyrod and 6K Brandon Cooks. I also think Brevin Jordan's kind of interesting, so we'll we'll see what, what happens on that end, but I think if there was ever a post bye week rookie that can do well, it's him or maybe it's Nico Collins. Both Brevin Jordan and Nico Collins were starting to see their usage trend up a little bit prior to the bye. So I think that those can be very interesting double stack partners where you go Tyrod, Brandon Cooks, and one of the two of them. And that if Cooks and Jordan or Collins catches a touchdown, you have immense flexibility with the rest of your lineup to fit in some really strong players. And like you said, yeah, it was very uncharacteristic. Tyrod Taylor has not necessarily been a good quarterback throughout his career, but one thing is he's always been near the bottom of the league in interception percentage. I do not anticipate another three interception game, no matter what this Titans pass rush looks like. And then on the Titans end, there is one other notable injury. In addition to the Henry, the Julio, Jeremy McNichols ruled out with a concussion. And he had a pretty healthy role in this running game. And I feel like this makes Deonta Foreman a nice, viable, free square. 4,900 DraftKings, 6,200 FanDuel. Foreman has just looked so much better than Peterson. He had two catches, nearly 50 yards receiving in his last game, as well as being the carries leader. So I think Foreman's kind of the the sneaky workhorse in waiting now that we've just X'd out the three-way committee and now it's purely just Foreman and Peterson, where we know Peterson won't get receiving work. And Foreman's just played better. There's a good chance he gets the red zone work as well as long down and distance. So I really like Foreman here. Obviously, Marcus Johnson's interesting, though he's going to be heavy chalk after 100 receiving yards priced at 3,500 on DraftKings. But let's talk for a minute about A.J. Brown. Week 7 against Kansas City. It's a bad defense. 27 fantasy points. Week 8 against the Colts. Shreds their zone defense. 31 and a half fantasy points. Then week nine, they play the Rams. Jalen Ramsey is his primary matchup. Only nine fantasy points. Then week 10, they play the Saints. Marshawn Lattimore locks him up. Only three fantasy points. A lot of people are just going to go, oh, that's pretty gross that he's had under 10 fantasy points in back-to-back games. And he's priced up, especially on DraftKings. 7,700 DraftKings only 7,200 on FanDuel, which looks like a typo. And then you realize, wow, 
AJ Brown's got this 25 to 30 fantasy point upside any week, and he's playing the Texans. The Texans are not going to be able to stop any receiver like AJ Brown. There's just so few pass game options because there's no McNichols, there's no Julio. It's basically just AJ Brown, Marcus Johnson, and maybe Deonta Foreman gets more pass game usage. Even Tannehill's new favorite target, Jeff Swaim, who's been surprisingly usable in fantasy the last few weeks. He's out as well. There's just nothing there. So I think that the guys to target are some Tyrod Taylor stacks and then run it back with Deonta Foreman or A.J. Brown. You can use Marcus Johnson too, but I just really don't like the idea of playing a really fringe talent 3,500 wide receiver that's going to be in 25 to 30% of other people's lineups. That's just not the most appealing thing to me. He's been boom bust his whole career. And is he probably their wide receiver too this week? Yeah, but it's not even a guarantee. He could be out-targeted by Chester Rogers or Nick Westbrook. Don't really like Marcus Johnson in this one, even though he can have a big game, just because I'm now seeing the ownership as the week has gone on. And it's just not the it's not a savvy move to be playing these fringe high high ownership receivers. Those are the main games. Now we got a couple quick ones here, Josh. Indianapolis at Buffalo. You talked about Jonathan Taylor earlier. Over-unders 50. Buffalo favored by 7. Favorite plays here? I think we're just going to be stacking some bills. I like the idea of some Josh Allen double stacks with either uh, a run back of Pittman or even just no run back in that this highly talented Bills defense just shuts down Wentz. I think that's kind of a fun way to play this one where your Josh Allen stacks look pretty unique is just double stack him and don't run him back and just hyper correlate the rest of your lineup. So I think that's kind of an interesting way to do it. I don't have too much else. I think Jonathan Taylor is mostly a stay away. He's in the 8K range on both platforms. And could he get there? Yes. I'm not going to full fade him, but definitely a good week in my opinion, just to be under the field on Taylor. And then to take the 115.5 total yard under on underdog fantasy. Baltimore at Chicago. Looks like Lamar Jackson is going to play after missing practice for two days with a non-COVID illness. The line is down to five and a half. Over-under is 44 and a half. I think you have a player here that you think no one is going to play. Yeah, it's kind of weird to say this, but on Monday, on first mover, I was like, Rashad Bateman's going to be so popular this week, but I still really like him. He's only 4,500 on DraftKings. He's only 5,800 on FanDuel. You got to play Bateman. And then I looked and I was like, whoa, whoa, only uh, 2% of people, 3% of people are going to be playing some Bateman this week. What the heck's going on? Rashad Bateman in his four games this year, six, six, then eight, then eight targets, 80 receiving yards in two of those games, 10 PPR points in three of those four. No touchdown though, yet. I'm a Big Rashad Bateman guy. I love the prospect profile. We now know Khalil Mack is out for the rest of the season getting foot surgery. This Bears defense took a big hit. Lamar's just going to have no pressure on him. And I think he can look to one of his new favorite targets in Bateman. So I think he's a really strong play in this one. And if you want to correlate, I think he's kind of a nice play with Montgomery. That skinny correlation where Montgomery's going to be pretty popular. Bateman's not going to be popular. And that's a good way to get the correlation and also keep your lineup different. And then just in general, I actually think both quarterbacks are kind of viable in this one. 
maybe it sounds weird, but I kind of like the over on this game just because we've seen Fields playing a lot better recently. We know that this Chicago defense is depleted. The Ravens defense just hasn't been very good this year. And I like the idea of Lamar with Andrews, Lamar with Hollywood, or Lamar with Bateman. Running it back with maybe even Montgomery and Komet. Because one other thing is Allen Robinson won't play in this one. He's doubtful with a hamstring, consolidates everything. So I just think it's a hyper-consolidated offense on the Bears' end. And you could just go Fields Mooney, Fields Komet. And then on the Ravens' side, Lamar is just playing out of his mind. So I think this is this is a nice game to have some exposure to for all those reasons. Not for the faint of heart, Miami and the Jets, which is always interesting, whether it's the Chad Pennington revenge game, the Dan Marino fake spike, the Jets coming back from down 30-7 to to start the fourth quarter at home. A lot of history here, a lot of excitement. Joe Flacco starting for the Jets, though, Josh. Can you find value in Miami, the Jets, DFS? So this is the other kind of gross game that I like. And it's because we're... I'm going to be playing some Tua Tagovailoa stacks. Tua playing for his career each and every week. He is getting the start in this one. He's had all week to prepare for. It's either the Lions or the Jets. I don't know. I waffle back and forth. Which defense is just more tasty for fantasy? I don't know. I like them both. Tua most likely has a really solid game in this one. It's just, the Jets aren't going to get a lot of pressure. They can't cover Gesicki, they're going to struggle against Waddle. So I really like Tua in this one. And then I'm still going back to the well on Miles Gaskin. I know he's only had that one big game, but I love the usage. Jets are the stone worst run defense. They seed tons of fantasy points to the running backs, both on the ground and through the air. Gaskin had 20 carries, six targets in week nine before he had 14 carries, which still four of them in the red zone. And two targets in that surprising win over Baltimore. The past four games, Gaskin has had, and this coincides with Malcolm Brown going on IR, over 50% of the snaps in each game, and 15 or more carries plus targets in every game. Miles Gaskin is a workhorse, it just hasn't necessarily showed up in the fantasy points column yet since that one big 10 target game, but I'm going to keep going back to him, especially in this type of matchup. And then on the Jets' end, I think Michael Carter's in a really good spot, as well as Elijah Moore. I think those are the the two primary Jets that I'm going to be targeting as my runbacks for this one. You talked about how you like both quarterbacks of Baltimore-Chicago. Do you like Jalen Hurts even in a tough matchup at home against the Saints? Over-unders 44 points. Right now I have the Eagles favored by one and a half. So Saints on the road here against Philadelphia. What do you think? I'll play a little Jalen Hurts this week, but I just don't think this is a necessarily the best spot for him. And we still have to get to the ultra discount Konami quarterback. Jalen Hurts, 6,800 DraftKings, 7,700 FanDuel. I'm just not quite sure that his usage is going to be all that much better, if at all, than Justin Fields, who is significantly cheaper and has been playing better the past couple weeks. So going to be playing a little Jalen Hurts, Devonta Smith, or Jalen Hurts, Goddard. I think those skinny stacks are viable just because there's really not much else in this pass game. But overall, it's just not the most appealing matchup on the Saints end. I think the one guy to hone in on is, I think Mark Ingram, just that free square running back yet again. Kamara's out in his start this past week. 
Mark Ingram had a very nice 69% of the snaps. He had 14 carries, four of them in the red zone, ran 24 routes, had seven targets, had a touchdown, 21 fantasy points. And I think that we can kind of expect more of the same, where it's pretty much just an Alvin Kamara-type workload. Yet Ingram, 5,400 DraftKings, priced up a little more on FanDuel, 6,800, but especially DraftKings, when I know that a guy can get seven targets in a game, very hard to say no when he's getting all the goal line work and the pass game work at 5,400. A lot of big quarterback options. Cam Newton back in Carolina hosting Washington. The line is a frisky three and a half. There's that hook. 43 and a half point over under. Christian McCaffrey back last week, Josh. 56% snap share. Still had 10 receptions. He's fantasy gold. DFS gold. But is he worth it here? Cam is back against Washington. What do you think? So I think Cam Newton, you just have to play a lot of Cam Newton. He's 5,100. The best weapons of his career, he's got McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall. Really hard to see Cam Newton failing in this situation. We saw kind of what's what he's capable of when he had two touchdowns on, what, four snaps last week. So I think Cam Newton's just a great play when he's only 5,100. It just gives you so many options to open up your lineup. And... I think what's interesting is that you don't even necessarily need to stack Cam Newton with anyone. I'm probably going to have some naked Cam Newton lineups where it's just Cam Newton and then I heavily game stack another game with an expensive quarterback. So one thing I talked about on my Monday podcast was the idea of Cam Newton naked with some Dallas and Kansas City players. That you have three or four players from that game with Cam Newton because both QBs in that game are so priced up. And Cam Newton can still get you 25 to 30 fantasy points without actually supporting any of these Carolina pass catchers with what's needed for them to hit their ceiling in DFS. I think McCaffrey better play on DraftKings where he's 8,900. FanDuel is 10K and FanDuel it's half PPR, which hurts him. And you really need to get into the end zone when it's half PPR with no yardage bonuses. McCaffrey generally scores fewer touchdowns when he's on the field with Cam Newton which kind of makes sense. Cam Newton is just the ultimate vulture. I think Robbie Anderson is potentially interesting. Maybe he w- he came back from the dead last week, but still just not a player I'm going to heavily bet on. And then on the Washington side, you know that McLaurin and Gibson can have big weeks, but if you're looking for the stone minimum tight end to complete your lineup, We saw what Ricky Seals-Jones has done in filling in for Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas still looks like he's a week away. Have you ever heard of John Bates? I had heard the name, didn't really know who this guy was. He, they they took him this year. He's a, he's a fresh 2021 guy. And John Bates is the next man up. Will he get the Logan Thomas, Ricky Seals-Jones treatment when he's 2,500 and played 65% of the snaps last week? Three targets, three catches, 25 yards. Probably going to take a couple shots in the chamber, running it back with Cam Newton with some John Bates. And the last game, one of my favorite plays. I've been waiting, Josh, all year to say this. San Francisco at Jacksonville, running back triage in San Francisco. Elijah Mitchell always hurt. So what does that mean? I think it means it's Jeff Wilson time. Talk to me here. Jags getting six and a half at home against a banged up Niners offense. Over-unders 45 points. Preach to me. Tell me I'm right. 
yeah, so obviously, like, you can play a little Debo, you can play some Kittle, but the, the real main event here is Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson had 20 or more fantasy points in four games last year. Jeff Wilson started three games last year. Only 50% or more of the snaps in three games last year. And I think we'd all expect with Trey Sermon in the doghouse, nobody else there, that Jeff Wilson's going to play, assuming he stays healthy in this game, over 50% of the snaps. All three of those games last year, over 20 fantasy points, including a finish as the overall RB1 on the week. Jeff Wilson is just a fantasy cheat code. I don't know how he does it. He's not particularly athletic. He's not a particularly large running back either. But if there was ever a hyper-instinctual guy that seems to somehow fit in with this system, even though he's not even that fast of a runner, Jeff Wilson is your guy. He is truly a running back savant when it comes to the position. He just gets it. And when he's only 5,000, or sorry, 5,100 on DraftKings, and then 5,000, which is criminal on FanDuel, I, he's going to be popular. I will try my hardest to be over the field with slate winner Jeff Wilson. I will try my hardest to be over the field with slate winner Jeff Wilson. That type of line, I'm just going to take the under. And then one other note with Dak, I think you can stack him with Ezekiel Elliott. Elliott's role in the pass game has just been so good recently, and I think that that's an interesting way to double stack it. This is a massive game for the Vikings. I actually uh, talked about him recently on TikTok at TikToks. The one guy that I would say is probably a stay away if there was any quote-unquote starting player, it would be Mecole Hardman. Really, really pushing my sub-100 follower TikTok. 